This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Go with me to book of Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And we've been now for I don't know how many weeks now on, on faith. We're going to hit it again tonight. We're going to hit it hard. You know, the Bible's very clear. It says, the just shall live by faith. It did not say, the just shall know faith. There's a difference between knowing faith and living by faith. Now, a lot of us in this room, we may have cut our teeth on learning about faith and, and knowing faith in theory, but do I actually live it? And so in un, to, to get to the place where I actually live it, I have to learn to base every area of my life on the Word of God. Every area of, of, of my life. And when I begin to obey the Word of God, the Word of God will become visible in your life. It will become apparent. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever looked at a person as a man? How many of you have ever looked at another man and said, Man, I wish I was godly like him. Same with women. How many of you have ever looked at a married couple and say, Golly, I wish my marriage was as good as theirs? Listen, the reason that is that way is because people have openly obeyed God and it becomes visible in their life. Now understand this, God's not against you becoming that way. But I've got to base my whole life on the Word of God. Now, we're going to begin tonight in Mark chapter 4. And I'll start in verse 13. You know, uh, with every one of us in here, there's certain things that we may do or say where we say, I need this type of fix in my life. How many of you tomorrow will say, oh, I need my sugar fix today? Many of us tomorrow morning will say, I've got to have my, ca- my caffeine fix. And so there's certain things that we say a fix. But how many of us, and I'll be careful with this word fix here, but how many of us get our, our, our Bible fix? Do I have an appetite for the Word of God? If I don't, I need to develop that, okay? And how I do that is, man, I just start hanging out and I discipline myself and I say, you know what? I'm going to get in the Word of God today. And, 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 and the Word of God, guys, you won't always have that feeling. When you say, I'm going to get in the Word of God, you're not going to get all these Holy Ghost goosebumps and say, oh, I can't wait. Some days it may happen that way. But a lot of times the Word of God is a lot like eating asparagus and broccoli. Some days you just got to do it. Just jab it in there. Get in the Word and God will get into you. Mark 4, verse 13. And Jesus said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Now, if you'll note here, this was Jesus' words. And the way I like to, to, to define Mark 4, 13 is, this is the granddaddy of them all, according to Jesus. Jesus himself said, listen, boys, if you don't get this one, you're not going to get any of the parables. There's 38 parables in the Bible, but this is the key one. So don't you think we ought to learn what the key is? Well, let's keep going. Verse 14, the sower sows the word of God. The sower plants the word of God. So the very key ingredient to the greatest parable of all in Jesus' eyes has to do with the word of God. I got to sow the word of God. I got to plant the word of God in my life. Now, where Jesus is going with this in the next few verses, he's going to list four type of people. And I'm just going to tell you, I believe when reading this, these are all church-going folk. People that all hear the word of God. 
So we begin in the first one, verse 14, Jesus' words. Verse 15, these are the one sown by the wayside. Where the word is sown, and when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes the word that was sown in their heart. So when we read here about this first one called the wayside, and I believe this personally, guys, every one of us in this room are in one of these four categories. Every one of us. So he says here, the wayside is the one when the word is sown, they hear the word, but did you read what it said? It says, Satan, the devil, comes immediately and takes away the word of God. Now that ought to give me a little insight about something here. That the devil himself, he knows the significance of the word of God that gets in a believer's life or a believer's heart. And so when you hear the word of God, understand this, he comes immediately to take it. And the reason he does this is he's, he knows the word will change your life. He knows for you and me to walk in victory, i got to have the word of God, and I won't make it spiritually without the word of God. How do you know that? Well, Jesus himself said that, that, that uh, man is more than just, just bread. He's word, too. He's got to get the word. Life is more than just about bread physically. And so look at this and begin to think. If the devil's after the word and comes immediately, that tells me he does not want the word of God taking root in your heart. Verse 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy or enthusiasm. Immediately. So it would be like we come in here tonight and we hear a verse and we're like, oh my gosh, is that not good? That's incredible. I've never read that before. So we receive it immediately with enthusiasm or gladness. And it says, and, in one translation says, but they have no root in themselves. They've never allowed the Word of God to take root in them. Now, as I read this, I begin to think, okay, in the natural, how does a root ever take into us? How does it ever stay in us? How does it become developed? Well, think about this, that any time a seed gets put in the ground, as long as it stays in the ground and gets watered, it will start developing. That's one of the keys to me and you. We've got to stay in the Word. Faith come by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So understand this, the more I get in the Word, the more my roots, my, my spiritual roots begin to develop. And that's for every one of us in this room. But my oldest sister has a home in Charleston, South Carolina. And I love to go there because it's one of the most historical cities in our nation. It's so old. And the area she has a home in, there's, there's still old cobblestone streets. And there's one area that has these massive oak trees. And they're so big and their roots are so big that it's, it's buckled these cobblestone streets. And, and I, I think about this in this passage here, that those massive oak trees, they didn't start out that way. They started out as a little bitty seed. But because they stayed rooted and planted, they got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And so now when I look at them, 
I'm seeing a tree that is literally 200 plus years old. Oftentimes when we see believers and you say, oh my gosh, I can't believe how strong of a Christian they are. Understand, they've been planted in the Word of God a long time. They've stayed in the Word of God. And even those big oak trees there in Charleston, right there where they're located at, there's massive storms. There's been hurricanes even that come there. But because their roots are so established and so deep, even those hurricane force winds, they don't budge them. I believe this is the same for me and you as Christians. And so he gives us an insight on this second one. And he says, they have no roots in themselves. So they only endure for a time. Only for a short time. Now look what it says this. When, not if, but when tribulation or persecution arises, troubles arise, for the word's sake, emotions wear off and difficulties arise because of the word's sake. Now, that ought to give me and you a, a little bit of a nugget right there. When I start hearing the word of God, that doesn't mean it's going to be smooth sailing. Oftentimes, as believers, we think, oh, I'll never have problems again. He said, when persecutions and tribulation, right? So he's warning me and you. When you start hearing the word of God, the devil doesn't like it, and he's going to throw stuff at you to try to get you off of the word, to literally try to uproot the word in your life. And so when that happens, dig back in. Get back in the word. So he ends this in verse 17, and he says, they arises for the word's sake, and immediately they stumble. They stumble. Now, I don't want to ask for a show of hands. It'd be unanimous, I believe. But every one of us in this room has stumbled before. What do I do when I stumble? I get back up, and I get back in the word. Think about this with a human being, that a human being can start having heart problems, and he can get a heart transplant. And he becomes good again. How many of you have ever seen those big claws? Ken Richburg, he operates in trees. He knows what I'm talking about. When they take those big claws into a tree, they uproot it and they replant it. And it takes back off. See, that's the same with me and you as the Word of God. If you've stumbled, and that may be locating you right now, get back up and get back in the Word. And let the Word get back in there. And let the Word give you a heart transplant. Change you again. Get back in the Word. Thank you for that enthusiasm. Man, Pastor, you're excited, or I am excited. I didn't get to preach last Wednesday. Verse 18. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They hear the word, and the cares of this world. Wow, now wait just a second. They hear the word, and the cares of this world. Now, I want to stop right there. Every one of us in this room deal with the cares of this world. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. We have things that rise up. We go from work. We go from ball games. We go to school plays. We go to the dentist office. We've got to go to Walmart, which is cruel and unusual punishment. We go to United. We go all over the place. All the cares of the world are pulling on me every day. Every one of us. Look what he says next. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. 
Now, God's not against me having things, but when those riches start dominating me, where I think, man, I've got to work overtime, I've got to do this and this and this, so I can buy that new Harley, I can get some new golf clubs, Woo! I've got to get to the mall, I've got to get my nails. See, the deceitfulness of riches, now keep reading, the next one. And he says, and the desires for other things. The desires for entertainment. The desires for to go on this incredible vacation, they enter in and it chokes the word. Now think about what he just said. My life gets overcrowded with the cares of this world, the deceitful riches and other things, and it chokes the word. In my life, I have to ask myself this question. What is getting crowded out in my life? Does the Word of God get crowded out? Or does the deceitful riches? Something's got to get crowded out because everything is trying to pull for your time and energy. And the situation right here, he gives us a great warning that my life is going to get in trouble when I allow the Word of God to get crowded out. Now, he ends verse 19 and he says, It chokes the word, and it, the word of God, becomes unfruitful. I got good news about that. There's an opposite of that. It, the word, becomes unfruitful. No, the opposite is the word will become fruitful. When I make it priority, and I discipline myself, and I say, I've got to get in the word. Now, you're seeing right here the significance of the Word of God, right here. Verse number 20, the last one, but those are the ones sown on good ground. So we've had the wayside, we've had the stones, we've had the thorns, and now we're on the good ground. And it said, those on the good ground, those hear the Word. Hearing the Word is a great thing, but that's not it, okay? The reason I can tell you that, Go back and look in all four categories, and this is why I say these are church-going folk. Every one of them in all four categories heard the Word of God. Every one of them. Now, this will be a big revelation to you tonight. This tells me right here that every one of us in this room right here, we have the same opportunity. We're all hearing the Word of God tonight. Every one of us. Let's look at the key. I want to focus on the good ground. This is where God wants us all. Those are the ones who they hear the word and they accept it. What does that mean? They welcome it. They receive it. They embrace it. They live by it. In other words, the good ground are the ones who say, I'm going to let the Word of God govern my life above any other thing. And they accept the Word of God, and it, the Word of God, will bear fruit. Why? Because I hear the Word of God, and I embrace it. Now think about that in your life. Do I I embrace the Word of God? Do I live by the Word of God? Because I I can go back to my life in early January and I can say this. I know the Word of God. But do I live the Word of God? 
See, it's one thing to know it, it's another thing to know it and live it. And so this is where he wants to get us. So we're going to dig in a little bit further tonight. We're going to go to Romans 3, and then we're going to go to James 3. Stop at Romans chapter 3 as we're heading that way. See, the, the, just, just because I, I know the word doesn't mean I'm going to be fruitful, okay? Man, I've got to hear the word, but I've got to start living it. I've got to start purpose in my life. I'm going to be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Romans 3, verse number 1. What advantage or what difference then has the Jew or what is the profit of the circumcision, the Jew? Much in every way. One translation says, yes, great benefits. Chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. What does that mean? The oracles of God mean the, the word of God, the scriptures of God, or the sayings of God. So he's talking about the key to the Jews' life is they base their life on the oracles of God. Now, you want to see something that's really, really good in that verse? To them were committed the oracles of God. I've got to be committed to the oracles of God. God will be committed to me, but I've got to be committed to the word of God. And so he's saying they were committed to the sayings or the scriptures. Keep reading. For what if some of them did not believe? Will their unbelief or lack of faith make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. In other words, the Word of God is going to be effective whether you and me believe it or not. It's going to happen because God spoke it. So we keep reading in verse 3. Will it make the faithful in God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let, let God be true. Let God be found true, but every man a liar. A liar. As it is written, God will be found true as it is written. Everything that's written in this verse, God has uh, given his signature to it. He's put his name on it. And it goes on to say that you may be justified in your words. That you may be justified by what you say. That you may be proved right by what you say. And so when my saying lines up with what is written, something begins to happen. Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of my heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 12, 37 says that the word of God, because of it, you will either be justified by your words or you will be condemned by your words. So right here, it tells me the significance and the consequences that happen with the power of my words. Now remember, we've talked about the words for weeks. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of my tongue. So we've said over and over, I've got to learn to speak the word of God. Be very careful what you authorize with your mouth. Now the rest of the evening, we're going to be in James 3. Go to the book of James, chapter 3. And I told you a couple of weeks ago, we were going to get here, and this one, I believe, will change your life if you get a hold of this. That's this good. As you're turning there, let, let, me, let me give you a reference real quick. There in Joshua 1, the Lord said to Joshua, he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. 
I've got to speak the word. He said that you meditate on it there and day and night. That I memorize it. That I think on it. That I may observe to do all that's written in it. Now listen, listen to the fruit of obeying the word in my mouth, the word in my mind, and be a doer of it. He said, then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. The fruit of obeying the word of God, speaking it, getting it in my mind, and obeying it, I'm going to have prosperity, and I'm going to have good success. He gives me the ingredients. James chapter 3, verse 1. My brethren, my fellow believers, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. I'm not always real fond of reading that verse. I'm very aware of that verse. Big time, okay? That word was, that verse was put in me 30 years ago now. And I know what it's saying very clearly, that he said, listen guys, some of you don't want to become teachers because the, 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 the warning here is, your words and your lifestyle will influence others and affect others. And you're going to be held to a stricter judgment. Now, I have ones that come in and say, Oh, pastor, I want to be a preacher like you. And I said, Really? Do you know this verse? Now, I'm not whining and complaining. I understand. That's why I'm going to give you the Word of God. Where I can look at God and say, I told them the truth, Lord. What they did with it is up to them. You can lead a horse to the water, but I can't make them drink. But here's the truth, okay? You guys are going to get the word. Thank you. Verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. Yeah, we do. If. I circle the ifs in the Bible because every time I read the word if, it's a choice. If anyone does not stumble in word, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. He is a complete man. He is a sound man. He is a whole man. It it means here with believers, it denotes a mature man. The one who is able to watch what he says, he becomes a perfect man and is also able to bridle the whole body. Now, just think about that last sentence there. He is able to bridle the whole body. What he's telling me and you right here is the body takes orders from your mouth. Really. I am able to bridle the whole body. So let's think about that just for a second. Let this dig in. If I watch what comes out of my mouth, it'll take care of my appetite. It'll take care of my addictions. It'll take care of my lust. How about this one? Does health have to do with your body? It'll take care of the health in my body. You said, well, you shouldn't say that. I didn't say it. God said it. He said, the man who was able to bridle his tongue or watch his tongue, it'll bridle the whole body. Now, this is the significance and the power of me and you's tongue. But a lot of times, you know what people would say right here? Well, you don't know my situation. I used to say that to God all the time. I got it so much harder than everybody else. You don't know what's happened in my life. You don't know what's happened in my circumstances. You're right, but when you say that stuff, you know what you're saying? Your situation overrides the Word of God. I don't think so. 
Look at what the Bible says. You want to bridle your whole body? Then what's going on with my tongue? Powerful. Let's really dig in here now. Verse 3. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths. Now, you know the bit, and I'm not, a, I'm not a horse racing expert by any means, but I do know that that bit is that little metal thing that goes right there in their mouth. And when you think about that little piece of metal that goes in a horse's mouth compared to the size of the horse, is really small in comparison, proportionally. So he says, indeed we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. So he's giving me great insight here, and he's saying, you want to te teach a horse how to obey you? You mess with his mouth. And he ends and says, not only will they obey you, we turn their whole body. And so when you read this, he's telling me and you that that little bit in a horse's mouth will determine the direction they go. When you pull back on those reins, you say, whoa, and that horse learns to obey. He learns to stop. Think about this in my life. That if I would learn to train my mouth obedience, not only what I say is important, but sometimes what I don't say is important. Both of them. Where's that? That's, that's James 1.19, be swift to hear and slow to speak. But he said right here, it would change the horse's direction. Do you like the direction of your life? Sometimes I can look and say, I don't like the direction of my life. So James right here is implying, if you don't like the direction your life's heading in, change what you're speaking. Learn to speak the things of God. Now, in this analogy here, I believe James is using a wild horse. A horse that's never been broken. And a horse that's wild, basically, he's of no value. He has no purpose. Actually, he has no direction. So really, the wild horse could be defined as useless. And James's analogy here to me and you, unless I learn to bridle my tongue, I'm not going to have purpose. And I'm not going to have direction in my own life is what he's getting over to. And I realize that's stout. But when you break a wild horse, and how did he tell us you do that? You get that bit in their mouth. See, if a wild horse can be trained and can be trained where he becomes a benefit, that's the same as me and you. But the key is my tongue. i got to bridle my tongue. Look at the next analogy he gives us. Verse 4. Look also at ships, although they are large. Although they are large. Now, let's get a mindset. Let's get a picture right here of a large ship. Think about a cruise ship. That on a cruise ship, there can be between 1,500 and 2,000 passengers. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of rooms. But on those cruise ships can be a bowling alley. There can be movie theaters. Massive restaurants, ice skating rinks. And so you get the idea, these large ships are really large. Hey, think about a naval ship. All the, 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 the Navy, the seamen that are on there. And even on that ship, airplanes land and they take off and they land. 
So you get an idea. Think about how big that ship is, and this is what he's doing here. So he goes on to say, look also at ships, although they are, are so large and are driven by fierce wind, they are turned by a very small rudder. Now that rudder, in comparison to the ship, he's a little bitty. He's not very big. The rudder is actually tiny compared to the whole ship. But that rudder has the ability to drive that ship in the calm sea and even when the storms come. Now look what he ends with in verse 4. It's turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Wherever the pilot desires. So what I speak today will steer me toward my tomorrow. But I'm the pilot. And what the pilot desires, that rudder does. And so it's the same in your life. You're the pilot. And you know what the rudder is? Your tongue. And he implies again that if I don't like the direction I'm going in, I better change the way I'm speaking and even more so. When the storms of life come, what's coming out of your mouth? Oh, we're going down. We're going down. We're never going to have enough. It's bad. It's over. See, even in the storms of life, he's telling me and you, hang on to the Word of God and watch what comes out of your mouth. Look at the next analogy. Verse 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member but boast great things. So the tongue is disproportionately powerful. James is saying, your tongue and my tongue is small in proportion to the rest of your body, but your tongue has great influence. Remember remember what we said there in verse 2. Man, when you control what you say. So we keep reading in verse 5. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a force the little fire kindles. So we think about this next analogy. James says there's this massive forest. And then he says about how this little flame, this little fire, this little spark compared to the whole forest can cause massive damage. So we keep reading. Within that little spark is great potential. How great a force a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. It's a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is wicked. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. The word defile means it has the ability to corrupt my whole body. It has the ability to contaminate my whole body. What does the tongue? So he goes on and keeps going here and says, It defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature or the course of of existence and is set on fire by hell. And so right here, once again, his analogy is the tongue has great potential to cause destruction if you allow it. If you allow it. Remember, it's my tongue. I'm in, I'm in charge of it. I don't know if you've ever seen the destruction of a forest fire. There's, there's several different places in Rio Dosa when you get there 
that you see what a forest fire has done. They say it takes 11 years for a place where there was a forest fire to begin to grow back. So what happens, now think about this, you've got this massive forest, and this little, 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 little bitty spark, whether it's a bolt of lightning, whether it's a, a, a little match, whatever it is, it starts just little, little, little bitty. But before long, that thing gets out of control. He's talking about our tongue. It starts getting out of control. Now, once that fire starts going in a forest fire, you're not going to stop it until it comes in, in, until you get the fireman in there and it gets extinguished. The issue with that is you can't reverse any of the damage it's already done before you extinguish it. Now think about this here in my own life. The analogies of every one of this. Man, my tongue is powerful. Your tongue is powerful. Ooh, I wish I'd keep going. We'll hit it back here again next week. But he gives us insight. And I think the warning is here once again. If you don't like the direction in your life, get a hold of your tongue. Start saying what God says about you. Start believing the Word of God. See, many times, and I've referenced this several times, many times a lot of the direction in our life starts as a young child. The things that are spoken over us. And many times people will say, you can't do that. You'll never achieve anything. That's not going to happen. And so if I'm not careful, I, I've allowed those impressions of what people spoke to me to get imprinted on my heart. And before long, I find myself going in that direction. Listen, don't believe that junk. Begin to say about yourself, what does God say? You know what God says about you? You're more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm giving you scripture, every one of those. Start saying the word. The next one was that even compared to the rudder, when the storms of life come, when on that, on that ocean and the waves start rocking and start bouncing, and every one of us in here, we're going to have storms of life. There's not one of us in here exempt from it. But when even the storms of life come, what am I saying? I'm saying, woo, I, just like we sang tonight. I, I won't fear. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe you tonight, Father God. The last one. The destruction that can come from my tongue. Now here's, here's something that I want to end with. That I said this, that once that fire gets going, you can't reverse the damage that's already been done. What do we do as believers like that? I'll be the first to tell you, I've done damage to my own self by the words I've spoken out of my mouth. What do we do? We repent. Father God, I'm, I'm sorry for speaking destruction out of my mouth over my own life. I'm sorry for speaking defeat over my children. I'm sorry for to, to, to speaking corruption over my marriage. I'm sorry. And I said, Father God, help me. I don't, I don't want to go that way no more. I want to begin to live for you. And so listen, every one of us in here said things that we shouldn't have said. So repent of them and then saying, okay, Father God, grace my tongue. Grace my tongue, help me. 
You know, one of the fruit of the Spirit in, in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is the fruit of self-control. You've probably heard me the two, well, the three. Well, there's nine of them. It's probably all nine. But the three biggest ones in my life I speak over myself is the fruit of patience. And I'm telling you, my, my engine's always revved up. I, I, I still have to deal with it. And even today, on the way to church, Shelly said, quit being Mario Andretti on the way here. I will sit there at the traffic light and I'll watch that light right there. I'm going this way. And when that dude turns yellow, man, I know I'm gone. I'm gone. Because I know if I hit every light green on the way home, I can be home in seven minutes. I guarantee it to a T. I'm I'm in need of patience. The fruit of patience help me, Lord. But the next one is self-control. Woo, Father God, fill me with self-control. Remember King David said, Lord, in Psalm 141, verse 3, Lord, set a guard over my lips. Set a guard. You know why? David understood the power of tongue. And it's the same as me and you. And, and you'll get the last fruit that I need to stand up. The last one is humility. Man, I got to put on the robe of humility. So in saying this, th- this is one of the keys to faith. And, and it didn't look like that tonight, but understand this, in Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus himself said, and you will say unto the mountain, and you will say unto the mountain, whoever says to the mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things he saith, he will have whatever he says. And so right here, James is telling me, and you listen, you've got to get a hold of what's coming out of your mouth. And I believe it's important that we make a pact tonight, we make an oath tonight and say, okay, Father God, Man, I, I, I hadn't done well in this. God, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. How many of you in here were raised in a very negative ad- atmosphere? See? And, and so the, the way we change that direction is we override all the negative words and we start saying the, the kingdom of God. Woo, I thank you, Father God. My life is full of peace. My life is full of... I, Thank you today, Father God. Begin to release those things. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.